welcome to Forts on Food. My name is Matthew Fort and this is my daughter Lois. And my name is Lois Fort and this is my dad, Matthew. And in this episode we're talking about waste. And what a waste waste is, isn't it? We are indeed. Hi, Dad. Hi, Dad. Nice to see you. And you nice too. Nice to hear you've got your voice back, because we were supposed to record this yesterday, weren't we? We were. I had a bit of a, lo- a bit of a, a voice loss day, but it's come back, which is good. Yes, you're sounding loud and clear. How do you feel now, about food waste? Well, I hate waste. I find it. Um, I find it almost a sort of almost a moral question. I feel I've failed every time I throw something away. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I feel terrible when I throw food away. I really do. And look, I mean, this is not going to be a sanctimonious podcast. Of course, we waste food. And I think any, any mortal does. But it does feel like it feels it feels all right. It feels like a failure. And I think that, well, we'll get into it, but there's so many reasons why you end up wasting food. And some of it comes down to organisation and planning and some of it's just bad luck sometimes. Well, but hold, I agree with you. Hold your horses, hold your horses, because <laughs> we're going to talk all about that. But I want to actually highlight how much food we waste as a nation. I mean, it's really yeah. shocking. Go on, you tell us. 30.8% of all food purchased in the UK is thrown away. So that means that every time you come out of the supermarket or another shop clutching three bags of food, you might as well drop one of them straight in the rubbish bin. I mean, it's I know, really it's appalling that. It's appalling when you think about it in those in, in those terms, yeah. And it's, uh, oh God, that's terrible, isn't it? If you think about all of what could be done with that. I mean, not to mention the other sort of statistics that there are, you know, around kind of CO2 emissions and the effects on the environment is that apparently, if as globally, if we stopped wasting food albeit stopping altogether is pretty impossible. But if we stopped wasting food, it would be the equivalent, in terms of emissions, of taking one of every four cars off the road. Well, give up wasting food and give up driving cars and we have a a virtuous virtuous circle. (laughs) (laughs) We may not be fine, but we'll be along the way. Um, And it's not only that, but when you think of all the work that's gone into producing food... I know. uh, You know, the, 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 the... Animals which are which are fed and looked after and nurtured, the, the seeds that are planted and grown, the all the it's a fantastic production. Um, and also uh, the right. miles, the miles that products have travelled to then just end up in your bin feels really sad. Which reminds me, I might better again have a quick check in my fridge before we uh, when we finish this podcast. <laughs> but okay, so why do you why do you think we weigh so much? Well, I think there's a combination. I mean, I think uh, so. So planning, planning and shopping correctly for the meals that you want to cook or that you are going to cook, the number of people in your household. Mm. So that's one thing. So you've got to have the inclination to sort of plan. And that's around quantity and timing. Then there's the issue of, well, mm, we plan to cook this, but we don't feel like eating it now. It's three days after that food shop we did. So then you sort of don't cook it and it creeps closer and closer to the use by date which we'll talk about later and 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 maybe you never get round to it so there's going to be some kind of spontaneity and laziness that comes into it um but i think think, yeah sorry well i need to interrupt i think because there's a lot changed since our parents used to go shopping once upon a time Mm. people shop pretty much every day they bought what was necessary they took it home they cooked it and they ate it and that was that nowadays with both partners in any any 
household needing to work in order to sustain standards of living and indeed pay for the heating, um, you know, it's it's very difficult to to shop every day, and so people shop once a week. But then, you know, when you're when you're going out shopping, you're not sort of planning in detail for the whole week, and you probably end no. up by buying too much. Well, yes, exactly. You end up by buying too much. I mean, we've switched recently. We kind of we used to shop every day because we'd kind of speak to each other at five o'clock and say, "What do you feel like having for supper?" And then so someone would Pete. buy it on their way home. It's more expensive, and that does also lead to food waste because, as we know, when you shop in normal supermarkets, you, you, quantities are difficult. And I think we can come onto this because I think shopping for one is is almost the hardest sometimes because you know unless you go to a grocer or a butcher or a fishmonger where you can shop for one portions in supermarkets are for at least two people if not a family so uh we tried to switch well we have been sort of switching to a weekly shop this year in the in the effort to save money and be more organized um and on the Is whole we've been all right well kind of i mean we don't we don't stick to our plans but but we're quite good me particularly at a saying well look this is in the fridge it needs to be eaten we'll adapt it into another meal but I must say, I haven't quite decided which route ends up being better in terms of food waste. I haven't got there yet. No, perfection is still a long way off. I, th- I think that we're, we're not helped by the way in which the food industry is, is, is structured. I mean, first of all, you say that, that almost all port, I mean, let's, was it 80%, between 75 and 80% of all food is bought in supermarkets. So that's sort of dictates the way we, we go around shopping for food. And the way they serve us, which is always trying to sell us more than we actually need. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a problem. Yes, it's um, a big problem. Uh, so that's a, a, another sort of you know, trap that we fall into. Um, and then I think that, you know, then we are slaves to the dreaded um, sell-by dates, use-by dates, aren't we? We are. Yeah, we are. And it's... it's um... It's quite interesting because I think as generally, I think it's almost a bit like Marmite. People tend to land on one side of the coin or the other with this. Uh, As an example, in our household, I'm quite flippant about use by dates. Unless it smells weird or tastes weird, I'll have it. Uh, And whereas Peter is, uh, just because of the way he is, uses, that's his, that's his kind of, you know, that's his North Star in terms of whether he can eat something or not. And the crazy thing is, you know, even when you just go on to Google, right, somebody who isn't aware that actually used by dates are always well before they really are. If you just go on to Google, it, you know, generally the opinion is there's, you know, up to a week, if not more, past a used by date on most produce. I mean, I'm quite, as we've had this conversation before, I don't test it out that much on shellfish and seafood because I think there's, I do draw the line at some things, <laughs> but <Why is> it? <laughs> if we're not talking about shellfish and seafood, then I think you can tell physically by smelling by smelling it really, if it's worth eating or not. Yeah, if, it's, if, it, if it smells dodgy, if it, if it feels dodgy, and above all, if it tastes dodgy, then it probably is dodgy. The, um, the yeah. thing is that we've delegated all our, it seems to me, that we've delegated so many of our critical decisions to other people. We, we, we expect mm. the, the, the supermarkets to do our job for us. We expect the, the, the health inspectors to do their job for us, you know, make judgments for us, even politicians to make uh, judgments for us. God help us. Um, and actually, <laughs> we've, we've got out of the habit of trusting our noses, our taste yeah. buds, 
and our fingers. You know, those are the, nature gave us these things for the reason. You know, Anyway, That's oh. true. Although, although then we did that all got slightly bombarded by the suing culture and liabilities for the supermarket. So they have to put them in place so that we don't make any silly decisions. Yeah, but to give an example, you know, what happens when you delegate all responsibility to other people? Do you remember the horse meat scandal a few months, oh years ago? Yeah, now? years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember well, that. we all discovered that in buying ready meals from supermarkets, we were actually consuming large amounts of horse meat. Now, actually. <laughs> Horse meat is extremely healthy to eat. It contains much less fat than, 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 than cow meat, for example. But you sort of want to know if you're eating cow or if you're eating horse. Oh, yeah. No, I think it's, yeah. I think just, just knowing what you're putting in your body is, is, is a great place to start. I think if we descend further down those mistakes, you know, you could end up in some precarious situations. Um, so I think, yeah, we, we want to know what we're eating. But I think we should be, yeah, you're right. We should be able to trust our senses a bit more. Although... I have to say this, I would not have wanted to repeat an experience that happened a few years ago uh, with Peter and his then flatmate at the time. We all quite like cooking duck. So we used to do it fairly frequently. And we used to shop from one particular supermarket, which I will not name, uh, in Crouch End in North London. And we bought duck. In fact, I think I remember phoning you about this a couple of times. We bought duck legs from this one supermarket three times in a row. And three times in a row, <laughs> the packet was opened and all three of us bolted to the balcony because the smell was so horrendous. And yeah. it was awful. I don't know why we didn't go back and complain. We should have done because there was definitely something going on. But, but raw meat coming out that has clearly gone off is not a fun one. No, no. Actually, complaining, of course, is something that, as Brits, we just simply don't do. I mean, in Italy, you know, you can pl- complain about the food from your own mother if you think it's not up to scratch, <laughs> and, if you, and certainly in supermarkets. I remember once watching these two ladies, uh, well, it was mother and a daughter, in a supermarket in, uh, in Sicily, and there was this yeah. enormous pile of artichokes. There were quite not very many supermarkets in Sicily, or there weren't then, so it was quite rare. Anyway, there was this enormous mountain of, of artichokes standing there, a you know, special offer for that. And I watched this 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 couple um, go lift, pick up every single one of them on display, inspect it, and put it back again. And when they done oh, every really? single one. Every single one, they didn't turn to, They just turned and walked away at the end of it. I thought that's what we should do. We should, yeah, we should protest. Really, we should, yeah, judge. We should, ch- we should trust our own, our own taste. Yeah, we're a bit, t- we're a bit sort of meek and mild and lazy, us Brits, about mm. complaining. Um, yeah, there's another, there's another, there's another problem at work here too. I think is that the mantra since the last war, it effectively has been to which is governed all sort of commercial food, commercial operations is cheap food. And then equally, I suppose, slightly off topic, but if we're buy, endlessly buying cheap food, potentially because then we can throw it away if we don't need it, the likelihood is that we're probably buying processed or a lot of processed food. So then you're coupled back to that old problem again. Yes, I think one has to be sympathetic about the way people live their lives these days. I mean, I do think that in a way that some, though I never, virtually never eat it myself, I think obviously... In a lot of people's lives, the, the processed food is a desirable, you know, is a desirable thing. Actually, yeah. I, have a, I have a weakness for tin baked beans, which I like to eat out of a tin with a silver spoon. And that, condensed milk. 
and condensed milk. And a yearly McDonald's. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Let's, let's just not go through all my... Um, but but um, and that, one of the few things I do throw away, actually, is, is, a, is a McDonald's. Goodness gracious me. I think, you know, the other thing, thinking about... I don't know if you've been watching it recently. If you haven't, T- Tom Kerridge has got a new TV programme out about... Uh, I, can't, I actually can't remember what it's called. It's called it's it's healthy or something, and it's he's getting involved in his local community and families and couples in his local community. He's doing a program with for about six weeks, helping them to try and eat more healthily and eat more sustainably, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you know what? A couple of them said when the cameras were in their kitchens and looking, they opened their fridges, which I think is really relatable problem in this waste topic. Is oh my God, stuff goes into that fridge, and I feel like it never comes out, and it's a it just becomes this kind of lost graveyard and I'm too terrified to go through it and audit it and I'm like it freaks me out and I feel like that sometimes and so one habit I have tried to get into which is certainly helping on the waste is quite regularly like every two or three days and I've annoyingly got one of those under-counter fridges as you know I sit cross-legged on the floor take everything out and if it hasn't officially grown you know another another species on it then we'll use it don't remind me of brawn, hairy brawn again. Hairy brawn. So I do that fairly regularly and then I take anything out that is, you know, edible but needs to be eaten quite soon and find a way to eat it that day. Actually, it's a, it's a very interesting practical observation, which I hadn't thought of because I suffer from the same thing. I have um, under the table, under the worktop um, um, fridges as, as well. So in order to see what's actually in them, you have to get yeah. down, probably lie down sideways to have a look, at, look inside. Yeah, I've That's- actually noticed that compared to when I had a full fridge freezer, which was just so much easier to prep. To pre- and we have to be real about this. Life is sometimes about practical challenges. And mm. so it's a pain to lean over to an under counter fridge but so i said anyway what you this might be a bit tougher for you than me but cross-legged on the floor works quite well <laughs> i think i'll pass on the cross-legged business if you don't mind that is well beyond me at my time of life oh dear. Uh, but i do uh, but i do regularly check out and actually even so i suddenly find little little pots of things hidden away at the back um which i thought oh uh, are they still at oh, yes i think they probably are um you know so if you've got any tips for for, for people who you know stop us from from wasting food well i mean i can give you one of my tips that i practice it does i realize that it's not going to work for everybody because it involves owning a very specific piece of equipment which is a juicer mm. um but i think in terms of health and waste it's one of the best investments i've ever made and it's lasted me for donkey's years and so in fact i had one today as an example i had some you know, raw straight out of the ground beetroot that was like 10, 12 days old and it had gone quite soft like a stress ball. And I had some celery that I could have platted. It had gone so bendy. And then I had some fresher fruit that we'd bought yesterday. I had tangerines and oranges. There was half a grapefruit that was quite old, but I cut the bits off that didn't look lovely. And I threw this all in with, oh yeah, you know, bags of Bags of herbs, right? Because they're always sold too big and you never finish them off. So I found in the bottom of my fridge today, I was doing my audit. I found half a bag of mint that I know isn't going to get used. So I put half a bag of mint and I juiced all of this. And it was this delicious, healthy, nutritious thing to have in the morning. I poured it over a bit of ice and I had cleared out all of the stuff that I probably wouldn't have cooked, but it was it was perfect. It was perfectly, you know, good to have raw. It's very good for you to have raw things. 
Um, so that's how I manage fruit and veg waste in my house. But I appreciate it means you need a juicer. You turn it into into a sort of slurry soup. Well, no, it's juiced, so it's like they remove the pulp. So it's actually it's not. It's very different to having a smoothie or, be, oh, or blending right. something. So it's a centrifugal whatever yeah. juicer, and mm. so at the end you're left with a whatever your container full of the produce, which is lit as if you've bought fruit juice from the shop, and then you've got all the pulp. I mean, if you want to be really really good, then you could then use the pulp to go and do something else with it. But I haven't got that far yet. But that's well, quite a good what, way of using waste or using something you could, that would be wasted. I can tell you what you would do with that pulp. Of course, what? this is the great advantage of, of having a small garden compost heap. I know. I would love to do that. And I, I, we don't compost, much like most people who live in big cities. But that would have been the – it would be perfect to compost. And that would be – can you imagine how satisfying that cycle would be? Old veg yeah. and fruit, drink it into a delicious, nutritious thing and then feed your garden. Yeah, no, I must say, every time I take out a bucket of you know, squeezed oranges and, and bits of leftover vegetable and all of that, and I dump it on my on my compost heap, I feel a surge of <laughs> virtue. Um, Very satisfying. My, my equivalent, I suppose, for that is what to do with, with f- fruit that's sort of gone over slightly, where you know, it's lost that sort of lovely bloom that makes you want to eat it. This is particularly mm. true in, in some of summer fruits, so strawberries, raspberries, gooseberries, things like that. And I did do what my mother used to do, which was to put them in a, in a food processor, whiz them up, and then strain off the juice into a, into a tray and put it into the, the freezer. Now, if you, if you have a, an ice cream machine, it's very easy. You just churn it round and you make it into a sorbet. But even if you don't, you put it into, your, into the freezer section of your fridge and, uh, and to freeze it. And every now and then, about once every sort of 40 minutes or so, you go down there and you'll see it started freezing around the edge and mm-hmm. you scrape that off with a fork and then you keep on scraping it off the fork till the whole lot's frozen. And what you have is a granita. Or, as my Ooh. mother used to, as, as your grandmother used to call it, water ice. Water ice. I love that. And then do you, and then do you just have it on its own or do you have yeah, it with have something? It, on a hot summer's day, there's very, very few things so refreshing as a water ice that makes you feel virtuous because you've used up a whole lot of dodgy fruit. That's how, Yeah, that's, that's an amazing tip. And then I suppose in the summer, if you want to... Uh, make it slightly less virtuous and slightly more party vibes. You could just chuck some gin in, and then it could be gin water ice. <laughs> well, the, you have to be quite careful because the more alcohol you put in, alcohol doesn't freeze very readily. The less it freezes, yeah, yeah. So you've got to be you've got to be quite tricky on that one. I got quite careful, but that wasn't going to be actually my tip for t- this week. Uh, for this, sorry, that wasn't going to be my tip for this episode. Breadcrumbs. What do you do Ooh. with old bread? Now, I've I've suddenly I've got sort of passion for this because all over Italy, I came across recipes that employ breadcrumbs as either pangrattato, which is fresh breadcrumbs, or mm. la monica, which is uh, which is dried breadcrumbs. Anyway, the point about it is is that you know, if you come from a from a thrifty cooking background you don't throw anything away and you certainly don't throw away bread now actually if you look at our own traditions you find little you know, signs of this for example bread and butter pudding what yes. a bread and butter pudding is and particularly with lots of raisins and currants in it but that was usually mm. made you know, with with old slices of uh, of of white bread you know because you know, it was not good for 
for for for eating purposes in its in its natural state. But actually, what yeah. I like to do is I always keep a bag of old bread which I let dry out. And what I'm going to do that when we finish talking this evening, I'm going to go and cook my my supper, and it's going to be pasta with some uh, with some some sort of kale tops, shredded kale tops, chili cooked in mm-hmm. olive oil with a bit of garlic, bit of garlic, and then I'm going to fry some breadcrumbs and sprinkle them over the top, so they get that oh. all that lovely crunchy thing. It's it's a sort of textural, um, yeah. Uh, I've, I've made pangratato, is that how you pronounce it? I've made it a few times and it's uh, it's lovely. And can I make a suggestion for your supper tonight is to add yeah. some, um, it's to grate a little lemon zest on there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I like that. I like that. Lift it up a bit. Yes. I mean, it has to be slightly careful because at the end up by having, if you add too many things, you, you know, because they're, oh, then I'll add that in, in, in an anchovy. Or should we add a caper or two? And suddenly you get this sort of, Simple. You need to have simple. you need to have a hard stop. But I can see that that lemon peel is a really because that just is a little sharpener, isn't it? It just lifts the all the all the other sort of ro- quite robust flavours. Mm. Yeah, well, thanks for that. But anyway, so Sorry. that's what I'm going to, be, going to be doing. Oh, now in order to make, uh, do you know how to make um, breadcrumbs out of dried bread? I'm going to assume you chuck it in a blender or beat it up with a rolling pin, but I could be wrong. Well. Yes, you are absolutely. I, I prefer to beat, beat up reading paper. What I do is I spread out a, 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 a drying up cloth, clean, put all mm-hmm. the put all the bread in that, roll it up, make a little sort of envelope, and then whack it vigorously <laughs> with your with your rolling pin until you get it down to the fineness that you require. And it says it I can see it, this. I can see lining this up with like you know, wait for your most stressful day of the week, and then beat up some bread. Yeah, Great. Whack a bread. <laughs> whack a bread. Don't, don't whack a bowl. Whack a bread. Whack a bread. <laughs> it's my whack yeah, well, a bread day. That's uh, a really good tip. Myself. Okay, no, that's a great tip, and I like the sound of what you're cooking this evening. It sounds, it sounds well. As we know, my obsession with pasta, it's right up my street. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna tell you about something that I made rather than I'm going to make. Mm-hmm. And actually, I made it for the second time, and you've had it for for the first time was at your house. Um, but it's such a good recipe, uh, which, for full disclosure, is from Hello Magazine. What? Uh, it, <laughs> I haven't cooked from Hello Magazine. Anyway, well, wait for it because you thought it was absolutely delicious. It was that roast crab with lime and chili butter on toast. It was good. It was really delicious. It was really good. So, so basically, in a little sort of ceramic oven-proof pot, that you put some crab meat, lot ungodly amount of butter, preferable, preferable not to watch when you're doing that bit. There is no such thing as an ungodly amount of butter. I'm sorry. <laughs> lime Bring juice, lime zest. Lots of limes, juice and zest, kaffir lime leaves, lemongrass, spring onions, coriander, chilli. And you basically load this all up, put it in the oven so that the butter melts and then spread it on. We spread it on toast at your house. And actually we did it here. We made our own focaccia and spread it on that. But it's a really easy. There are a few ingredients there, but it's a really easy dish to do for nibbles before dinner or lunch party and you don't have to do a starter and it's easy peasy and it's it's just crowd pleaser did you did you did, did i hear you sprinkle some breadcrumbs on top of that you, you didn't but i think it would work <laughs> i think I, do you know i think that's the thing is really missing it's I just think a little I, 
because they were looking all really lovely and crunchy and you know and and, and sodden in butter oh god they would you're right and I, I think we've come full circle on the breadcrumbs <laughs> I think we've been breadcrumbed to, to bits, frankly. Uh, but, you know, I think this is an episode which is full of good sense and sound ideas. Well, it's making me feel, you know, that we need to folk, we need to keep. I think it's waste is one thing you can't take your eye off the ball. You've got to keep working at it and keep keep focusing on it and keep being industrious and uh, and try and find other ways of using leftovers. And also just find the idea of throwing mm. good food away a really a, a, an unacceptable thing to do. I yeah. mean, just use your mind. I mean, there's so many things. You can turn them into soups. You can turn them into into yeah. sauces for pasta. I mean, you know, because things don't look great doesn't mean they don't taste great. So don't no, be put true. off. And don't, don't be put off by, by best by dates or use by dates. Trust your nose. Trust your taste buds and trust your fingers. And if it doesn't work, don't blame us. <laughs> Just put it down to experience. Uh, I do think there's also, there is a byproduct if something does make you feel slightly queasy, is that almost certainly it'll be improving your, um, your immune system. Your immune system, okay. Your immune system. It needs to be challenged, your immune system. And I think oh, yeah, dear. A, bit of, a bit of dodgy food every now and then really helps give it a, give it a lift. Okay, so, right. Well, that was an interesting way to finish off waste. Go and make yourself sick because actually it's just going to no, help your immune no, system. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I haven't said that. But I said, I don't know. be afraid. Don't be afraid of food that looks Don't be just afraid. Not- don't be afraid to trust your nose. Always smell something before you chuck it out because of the date. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, I'm. Um, I think that was uh, that was really interesting, and I think uh, I'm going to keep focusing on my waste. We've got next time round, which is our last episode of series one. Uh, yeah. We're taking this from the desk to the kitchen, and it's going to be a little bit more practical. Uh, we we did uh, fir- first time of your life, and indeed mine. We we managed to do successfully an Instagram poll, which was. Uh, I think you'll remember, quite hilarious. Both of us trying to work out how to use Instagram beyond a single post was interesting. Uh, but we polled, we polled your followers on the following. What do you spend on average on a weeknight supper for two? And the choices were around £10 or more like 10 to 15 And well, perhaps we'll leave it there. We'll tell everybody on the next podcast what was the answer and... We're going to try and cook to that budget. There we go. There we go. I think it's, I'm looking forward to it immensely, darling. I think we'll be. It's not a competition. No, I say it? it's challenge accepted. Okay, great. And you're going to do. You, I'm going to do something for the vegetarians, and you're going to do something for the non-vegetarians. I am. Okay. okay. So join us for the next and indeed final podcast in this series. I'll see you next time, Dad. <laughs> I'm so darling. <laughs>